Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. On today's podcast, it's a new episode of Pass the Ammo as Garth Jones and I look back at the Aussie classic film, Don's Party. My name is Justin Hamilton and you're listening to Big Squid. Hello, and thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, This podcast was supposed to be released yesterday, uh, but uh, for people on the Patreon, uh, you would have received a work in progress episode on Monday. Uh, I'd been working on a new short story for the anthology series that we started on this podcast called Beautiful Tales for the Disenchanted. The next story was bubbling along nicely, and then, as you know, I ended up getting COVID, and uh, I've been trying to kind of get back on track. I lost about uh, a week and a half of uh, work time, and you know what it's like. Once you get out of rhythm, it's really hard to get back on track in some cases, so uh, I was trying to get the, the, the sense of that story back in my head, and we did a work-in-progress episode. And what was great about it is sometimes when you read a story out loud, that's when you start to pick up on the beats or or the theme or something that you're missing. And so I, I knew there was something. I couldn't work it out. And then it clicked. And then I was caught up in a whirl of creative energy. And then it was like, holy shit, it's Wednesday afternoon. This podcast meant to have been out for like 36 hours by now. But anyway, here we are. And that is what counts. Uh, Before we get into it, for Adelaide listeners, I'll be performing at the Rhino Room for the first time in 18 months. Goodness. 
It's been a long time. Like, it's been a really long time. Uh, so, I will be in Adelaide on June 3rd. I'll be performing at the Rhino Room with a few of the local acts. And if you'd like to come and see me in the human flesh, head to adelaidecomedy.com. And as a loyal listener of this podcast, make certain you get the Big Squid discount. Just put in HAMO, H-A-M-M-O, and you'll have some money knocked off the price of your ticket. So that's just uh, uh, Adelaide Comedy and my way of saying thank you for listening to the podcast and, uh, yeah, please come down. Uh, also, I'll, I'll leave it brief here at the top. So, you know, sometimes I get right into chatting to you and then it's like, oh, was that the podcast? I oh, know we still have the podcast to come. But uh, <laughs> just a reminder that Garth Jones' cheapest skits book is now available online. It's selling incredibly well and it's also receiving some fantastic reviews. And that's the that's a double, right? That's a double right there. So what I'll do is I'll link the side on the Big Squid Facebook page so you can check it out. Uh, and that is... Uh, gives you an opportunity to get your grubby little hands on the book and if you're enjoying our osploitation discussions then this book will be for you as speaking of osploitation this movie doesn't really technically fall under that banner but with an australian election looming we figured this was a good time to talk about this film uh Actually, while I think of it, uh, a reminder that you can vote early. I've already cast my ballot because I'm at a wedding on the day of the election. So if you're worried about COVID or you have something booked on the day, get down there now and you can vote and have it all sorted. Uh, Also, with that in mind, there's a bit of politics discussed in this podcast. Just to give you a, a sense of where we're at, we recorded this late last week, so the news about Roe versus Wade was just breaking in the States, and that is discussed. And it might seem weird to be talking about something that's happening in America, but uh, certain aspects of Australian politics can follow a trend, hence why we discuss it here. Uh, be prepared. Two old school lefties being furious. <laughs> Still funny though. There's, uh, there, I'll be honest. Anyone who uh, comes to the uh, gig at the Rhino Room in Adelaide will probably. Um, let me put it this way: this discussion got some uh, got some thoughts rolling that I might like to play around with more. So there you go. Uh, Okay, now it's time to catch up with Don and Kath Henderson as they invite their friends over for drinks to celebrate the impending victory of the Australian Labor Party. Unfortunately, it soon becomes apparent that they're not going to win and as everyone begins to drink heavily, revelations and realisations suggest their lives might not be quite what they seem. You're invited and make sure you bring your own beer and some snacks. Because we're heading over to Don's party. Mal came, and Jenny, Simon and Jody, Evan and Kerry, Cooley, Susan and Mac, the host and hostess. You're the one who throws these bloody parties. No, no, actually, 
Actually, to be more accurate, it, uh, it was more of a dribble. Well, because I'd been tasting wine and eating cheese for days, the old sphincters didn't have anything solid to come to grips with. Let's face it, you had to choose between me and that fat stomach melon breasted tart out there. I wouldn't like to be in your shoes if you hit me. I'm a lawyer. I'll sue you for assault. I'm going to smash your bloody teeth in. He's a dentist. It was election day, 1969. Whatever their differences, Don's friend shared similar political beliefs. Why don't you go and live in Russia? Why don't you go and Or most of them. You don't know what you're fucking talking about! What is Cooley like in bed? Well, he's not all that big, but he's energetic for his age and inventive. Don't take this as an insult, Robert. But you are a weak turd. Hey, everybody, this Who's is the, uh, Evan and Kerry. That's uh, Mac, Mal, Jody, Sir um, Don's party. What a night. So we were going to record this uh, a few weeks ago and uh, we planned on not only talking about Don's party but talking about where the election was at in Australia and then uh, one of us got COVID and that was me and so we... Thank you very much. Good times. Great rock and roll. (laughs) And uh, so we're recording today, which is the 4th of May, uh, very uh, important date for Star Wars fans and... It's kind of not a bad time to come back to Don's party, is it? Because we've had a little bit more of the election. And can I share with you the thing that's driving me the most nuts? Is commentators and, and, and hosts of TV shows who just can't let go of a gaff like Albo forgetting, you know, the unemployment numbers. And it's one of those things where I feel like saying to every one of those assholes, A... We forget shit all the time. Like, the amount of times that I stare at a password that I need to use, that I cannot remember, that I've used stacks of heaps of times, that happens just about every day. The amount of times that I'm talking about a movie I love and then you're suddenly going, oh, my God, what's the... um Shit, what's her name? What's her name? Oh, Anne Hathaway. That doesn't mean I don't love Interstellar. It just means I forgot who Anne Hathaway was for a second. That's all that happened there. But it just seems... We, we're, we're more concerned with these ticky touchwood, who gives a shit fucking narratives rather than the fact that we have a prime minister who's a liar, who speaks in tongues to someone who doesn't exist and has no interest in doing anything other than remaining where he is rather than doing what he's meant to do, which is govern for the people. He is uh, super excited in that uh, speaking to people who don't exist. Um, he's gotten this uh, plague, fire, flood, in the last oh, couple of years, it's, it's mate, going great for him. <laughs> mate, he must be, this is a crazy evangelist wet dream. You must just, just be pumped, totally oh, pumped. <laughs> and pumped is the right word. Every day you must be getting up and uh, we're going to need a new box of tissues, honey. It's a great day for the end of the world. Oh, there's an image for you straight away. Um, yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Jen, oh, Jen, oh, no. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, they further to you know the last few election cycles we've seen obviously like the advent of like twitter and tiktok and everything becoming more and more prevalent in how they communicate with us yeah the the punters yeah Uh, i was listening to someone talk the other day about the fact that joe biden's actually got a tiktok advisor now that teaches (laughs) 
yeah, you know, as part of that, you know, the inner circle. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and we're down to, we've had most of our, our legacy media sort of whittled away into complete obsolescence now. Yeah. And yeah, they just give a shit about like that soundbite, that, you know, day-to-day gotcha yeah. thing. Or even if, I mean, it's, it's obvious that, you know, whether it's Murdoch or uh, Kerry Stokes or any of the other owners of our media in the country, um, they, they all clearly would prefer that the Liberal Party stayed in power. Yeah. So even if Albo doesn't fuck up, they still manage to frame whatever he does. Yeah. You know, like the other day there was his uh, tweeted photo, which was apparently a campaign blunder because his dog had his phone number on it. Right. And that yep. was the headline. Yeah. <laughs> Albo's, you know, latest blunder. And it's just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whereas, you know, um, the Prime Minister gets ends up on half a dozen different radio shows trying to convince us that he cooked his chicken properly. Oh, my Lord. Like, <laughs> the Jesus. Stuff, you know, that means a lot to, you know, mainstream Australia, the battlers, the... Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. And, you know, we've had the RBA rates, you know, go up, which is, you know, for people who are making ends meet. Like, once again, I always get frustrated because for for a long time, it, we, we think that the argument is, you know, racism or homophobia or all sorts of things. And I, 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 I'm not saying that they are not problems. But I think the overriding issue is uh, class and it's the rich constantly moving forward and the poor struggling more and more, or not even the poor, the people who are just, you know, keeping yeah, their shit together. Yeah. Uh, I mean, happy to say that, like, well, I've, I've been living in, like, for the last two months in uh, Auckland. And, oh, yeah. you know, it's a fast forward for everyone who's just getting their heads around the interest rate rises and everything in Australia because the cost of living here is utterly bonkers. Oh, yeah, Auckland is and, you know, full you on. Know, as much as, you know, New Zealand is potentially a, you know, billionaire climate paradise for now, uh, if you're, you know, under probably, I'm going to say even 50 now, like yeah. you've got to be very lucky to be able to afford a house that you don't buy with at least three or four other families. Yeah. Uh, you know, <clears throat> a very basic supermarket shop will set you back 300 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, price of petrol, uh, yeah. all, every sort of aspect of living here is just, just mind blowingly <laughs> ridiculously expensive yeah. unless you're, unless you own multiple rental properties and, you know, yeah. Uh, cashing in at this point. Uh, yeah. You know, I, uh... I probably spend about uh, between $100 and $120 a week on grocery shopping. Mm. And I live by myself. And yep. I don't, you know, like that's not snacks. That's not that's not <laughs> a lot of fun stuff. That is that is the basics. I, uh, I wrote a, a blog uh, a few weeks ago about um, I got a cauliflower. When I, you know, when you go through, because I was, to be honest, I was listening to a podcast while I was putting through, putting it through the counter by myself, you know, and then you get home and it's like, geez, that was an expensive shop and I didn't really buy that much stuff. And I was going through and I saw I'd spent $9.90 on a cauliflower and it was like, do I eat this or do I adopt it? Like, that's a lot, <laughs> you know. Could have bronzed it. <laughs> Could have bronzed it, yeah. <laughs> It's I crazy. Mean, so then yeah, I think I mean, about I, a family of four. I saw a four. $12 punnet of blueberries the other, yesterday, you know, not to get, get into the, the full, you know, consumer price price index thing. But, yeah, it's just everything is excruciatingly, you know, painful. And it's, you know, people's diets obviously end up, you know, at, at a micro level affecting the health system because yep. people start going to the Macca's drive-thru. Yes. 
and eating processed food and then, yeah. you know, all of those outcomes in terms of, you know, people having no money, yeah. <laughs> eating badly, you know, health systems, all the rest. It's, yeah. And yeah. as you say, it's just like anyone who's ahead is going to stay ahead. Yeah. And everyone else can go get fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? You know, uh, I don't know if you had an opportunity to see it, but the uh, premier, the new premier for South Australia, uh, Peter Malinowskis, uh, his acceptance speech on the day of the election was by far the most uh, inspiring uh, speech by an mm. Australian politician that I've seen in decades. It was so beautiful and it had grace. He, uh, you know, he was very generous towards the Liberal Party, talking about how it's important that they're there because they helped define the Labor Party. And he pointed out to everyone that, you know, people have lost their jobs today. There are families who now don't have jobs and we have to take them into consideration. And then he, you know, once he... And he spent a long time making sure that everyone uh, kind of knew what the uh, rate of contrition was in this situation. And then the rest of the speech was incredibly inspiring. And then you just kind of talk to people and they say, yeah, didn't he forget to thank his wife? And you're like... Uh, that, and that was said to me so many times by people, and it's like, like a, I don't really know, and b, it it was a beautiful speech. Like, can't we, I, I did, can't we I did focus on it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah, you just you, it's got to be the. I mean, at the end of the day, now you know, there's it's very rare that anyone's going to like any individual politician. It's sort of the blanket now is that like you know they're all pricks. Yeah, uh, which has been very much earned at a federal level, I guess. Uh, well, yeah, if they're going to keep uh, uh, pitching. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, like maybe at the state level, there's a, a little bit more sort of uh, engagement with the communities and the, you know the people they're actually supposed to be serving, not screwing. Uh, yeah, what a concept! Yeah. <laughs> what a concept! Well, we we should talk about this movie. It's a it's a very political film, uh, Don's Party, a fascinating movie that requires kind of a specific viewpoint when you're viewing it, and that viewpoint is you have to watch it through the lens of the early seventies, along with the way society is today. And, and I'm I'm curious because I really enjoyed rewatching it, but it was tricky. And I, uh, what was the trickiest part of rewatching this film for you? Um, I've been thinking about this and. <clears throat> Probably a lot of uh, the listeners will be familiar with The Late Show. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> probably remember the what I thought at the time was a satire right. of Don's party called Ron's Barney. Yeah. That actually was just pretty much 100% straight adaptation <laughs> yeah, of the I film. <laughs> Maybe just, you know, just obviously compressed for time and everything, but like pretty much ticks all the bo- boxes of homophobia, sexism, uh, you know, the uh, you know there's this this intellectual classes scorn for the proles yeah <laughs> everything's in there in you know, you know with a fight and <laughs> wasn't as much nudity probably no that's about the one thing that they that's didn't about, get to yeah. but <laughs> yeah, if, that's, exactly. yeah. if that sketch went for another fifteen seconds they could have thrown in some random boobs and then uh, it would have been a a perfect reenactment absolutely uh, but yeah I would guess you know all those well it's it's set in 1969 uh, written yeah. in the early 70s as a stage play and it ticks a lot of boxes that you just you know that stuff is although you know you know the content of the film and what's coming most likely if you've you know been aware of the you know in the in the culture but yeah the first homo and poofter and all that sort of stuff is still extremely jarring (laughs) oh yeah yeah It's it's funny. Uh, all of that stuff uh, was the same for me. Uh, I, I found pretty much every man in this movie to be awful in some way, and they kind of reminded me a little bit of the men that intimidated me as a kid because 
you know, uh, being raised by a single mum, I didn't have those kinds of men around me that often. Uh, we would have uh, family relations that would turn up now and again, and it would always be, you know, heavy drinking, all a little bit aggressive, uh, you know, friends of... Uh, 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 dads of other friends and that kind of stuff was always, you know, it always felt a little bit violent. And what I found about uh, this to be really fascinating as well is uh, even even the so-called intellectuals are extremely aggressive. Uh, and I, 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 when I was watching it, um, when I say aggressive, I mean kind of they feel physically aggressive. Mm. And when I was watching it, uh, it's jarring, but I, I feel like the satire still works because... I don't think they're on their side. I think they're. I think he is satirizing it, but I think it's not quite as. I mean, uh, sharp. Knowing what we know now about uh, the journalists and you know Labor Party firebrand, you know the sort of hard drinking, uh, sort of bare knuckling Bob Ellis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd be surprised if you know a character in this wasn't a direct sort of comment on his behaviour. Yeah. Even yeah. from, I mean, from that era precisely. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, the lechery, the like, you know, snob snobbery, the the whole sort of, you know, and he, you know, as a beloved labor icon that later you discover as a animal in a right. lot of senses. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I guess there's yeah, that that aspect too. Like they actually they are looking looking pretty intensely at what the sort of party animals literally and figuratively behave like. Yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. Like it's the it's the uh the woman who voted liberal who I think comes across as in many ways the nicest. <laughs> you know, like the most fair, you know. Uh, it's, like, well, it's just easy to vote for the liberals. Like, I don't have to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's still fine. Yeah. yeah, and she's not being an arsehole towards everybody. Yeah. Um to give our listeners some background if they haven't seen this before, uh, as Garth already mentioned, the film is set on October 25th, 1969, with John Gorton's Liberal Party going head-to-head with Gough Whitlam's Labour Party. Gorton was considered an average Aussie bloke, while Whitlam had reformed the Labour Party, abandoning the White Australia policy and the commitment to socialism. The White Australia policy still going mm. strong in... Uh... <laughs> well, yeah, Indigenous people only got the vote, like, in that you know, maybe 18 months before that. Yeah, crazy. Like, just and I guess crazy. I just to quickly interject as well for yeah. anyone that's listening outside of Australia, liberal means conservative. Yes. <laughs> and yes. Labor Party is the equivalent of, like, the English Labor Party or, yeah. uh, sadly, you know, more and more the Democrats in the, the United States. Well, the, the idea of the Democrats. Yeah, yeah. the concept. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so... Uh, the thing with uh, Gough Whitlam was that he was able to win over new voters with a platform that included free university education and universal health insurance. Um, maybe our listeners in America have heard of this thing. Uh, you can get it here in Australia. And, uh, We've got it, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's quite good. Uh, it was a close yeah. election with Whitlam missing out by four seats of toppling the coalition, uh, which is pretty, like, it was a pretty hefty swing and it got so close. And uh, in this we have a in this movie we have a thirty something couple, Don and Cathro, an election night party. Do you reckon this will be happening amongst the thirty somethings today, or is politics too damaged for the average punter to really have this type of passion? I mean, everything I would you know register about thirty somethings inverted commas uh, that yeah. I once was. Yeah. Um, fuck, uh, they it. yeah, very dimly now. Uh, 
I mean, I think the, the, the disaffection is so great that, you know, both major parties, I think, are so on the nose with them that if they do have a, some sort of situation happening, it'll be sort of probably popping a pill or something if the Greens hold the balance of power. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, because uh, I think that's the only way they're going to see any sort of structural or, you know, any um, policy change they're going to really, it's going to feel like it's going to mean anything to them at this point. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that, by the way, that's not a criticism of 30-somethings. I think it's a criticism no. of uh, politics. No, it's the system itself, yeah. Yeah, um, like, why would they have not, any faith? Yeah, I mean, everything I see that goes past on my you know, very meme-friendly, uh, you know, uh, Twitter accounts that are constantly having a crack at the or the drips, as they call the Labor supporters on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're just furious. And, yeah. or, you know, anyone on the sort of, like, further left than, like, you know, Albanese is just, like, gobsmacked by, you know, their lack of uh, vision or attempts to, like, you know, do anything progressive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's quite fascinating, isn't it? Because also, uh, you and I are much older than the characters in this uh, in this yeah. movie. And I don't know about you, but I felt pretty good about myself physically looking at them. <laughs> <laughs> much harder life back then, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, harder, yeah. Because I mean, I think Graham Kennedy might have been, yeah. But God, like, yeah, some of the. Yeah, the situation going, you know, just amazing, isn't it? Like, yeah. I know it's haircuts. I know it's like, you know, clothes, all the rest. But, yeah, you just look at previous like images from those eras of people your age or younger and it's just like, wow, all right. That was like four packs of smokes a day. And- yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, half a carton of beer every other day, you know. It's yeah, a- and leaded, leaded petrol basically. <laughs> Every, you know, inhaling leaded petrol and whatever else was going on. Yeah, yeah. They, no, no one then had uh, discovered the joys of being able to cook a nice grilled eggplant. Yes, yeah. I was, yeah. Yeah, I was reading a, a book by Jennifer Egan the other day and she talks about, you know, guys from that era, you know, not being well-versed with the idea of actual exercise, you know, exercise for yeah. uh, personal well-being. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, you'd still take a pack of smokes with you. Yeah. Look, I'm not yeah. saying everything's great now, but uh, I will take diet. I will take diet. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. If you can afford to eat an eggplant. Yeah. Uh, oh, don't get me wrong. It uh, costs me $35 a week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you never I'm, buy a home with that attitude. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, either, it's either leave a good-looking corpse in the place that I rent or die of malnutrition in the place that I decide that I can theoretically afford. Yeah. Um, I'm fascinated that every couple in this party is antagonistic towards one another. And even though it's a satire, it's confronting to see how the women speak to the women and about the women. Yet, once again, it it does feel satirical of those types of people and how it used to be, right? Um, Yeah. I mean, I... You know, grew up probably, you know, my, I was sort of like seven or eight during the early 80s. And I do remember sort of, you know, that sort of tension, I guess, like you talked about earlier with, you know, yeah. family, friends or, you know, uncles and aunties who, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, they're never going to listen to this. My uncle and auntie yeah. were awful. Right, right. <laughs> you know, you know, to each other, you know, would sit there and chain smoke and, you know, yeah. just tear strips off each other. And, you know, 40 years later, they're still doing it. Yeah. Um, Bless them, though. They did let me watch Beneath the Planet of the Apes when I was six. So, you know, it's not all bad. Well, uh, swings yeah, and roundabouts. But, but, yeah, I mean, it's 
it's also, I guess, you know, people get married later now too, or they make those decisions. Yeah. And, you know, I guess this film or the, the, the play and the film are sort of looking at couples all got married when they were like 20. Yeah, of course. So, have had a kid, have all yeah. bought into the dream and have all and they're all failures at 30. Yeah. Or like self-loathing and like haven't had that sort of opportunity to like sow their whatever oats, which obviously we're going to get to. Right. Because they're all desperately doing it in these like marital battlegrounds. Right, right. Yeah, that's um, a really interesting point. They've, you know, they've, they've already got 15 years of resentment yeah. at 33. <laughs> And that's why that's they look like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Suddenly it's all coming together. <laughs> yeah, I, it was funny. I was getting lots of flashbacks in that regard to uh, that kind of uh, time. And it's it, I, I found it really confronting. Uh, not unenjoyable, but just, oh, I, I remember that argument. Oh, I remember that couple. Oh, I remember the way he mm. used to talk about her. Oh, I remember the way she used to talk about him and the way the kids would react off the back of it. It uh, it helped it helped explain uh, our generation a, a lot more to me as well. Like uh, you know, our rebellion against that generation was to be, uh, you know, regardless of I don't quite know where Gen X is at the moment. It's obviously the forgotten generation in many ways, but it did become more introspective, and it did become. Uh, some of the positives was it did try to find that middle ground of emotional, like it was the beginning of trying to find emotional stability. You know, coming to being a dad at like, you know, 40 or whatever, uh, you do have a lot more equipment there to emotionally. And, you know, you've spent time reflecting on that stuff and not revisiting, you know, whatever (laughs) terrible things you might, you know, remember from your childhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've had time to... Uh, remember processing. it, learn yeah. from it, and reconcile it, which I think is the most important part. You know, often it feels like the a lot of the faults that these men and women inflicted upon their children was the fact that they were still angry about shit, and they're just ill prepared. Yeah, they're just yeah, you know, and you know, obviously that's you know had a basis in like you know their economic status as well in terms of you know, I mean that was the, probably the first generation that went to university and uh, yeah. Don's part. Don's party, um, yeah. you know, because they discuss, they talk about their uh, disaffection with how their lives turned out at thirty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But prior to that, it was like you know, if you're not haven't got four kids by the time you're twenty one, yeah. What are you doing? What yeah. are you doing? Get on with it, for God's God. sakes. I want to be a grandmother uh, by thirty five. It's like yeah. Yeah, I want to be able to pick up all four of my uh, grandchildren. Um, it's very interesting to see this as the start of the baby boomer generation coming into play. There are a lot more left wing in their politics, and the middle class voters wanted to challenge the conservative Australian culture. Uh, where's it all gone wrong? <laughs> I don't want to get into uh, boomer bashing. I don't. I don't like that um. kind of stuff. But you know, like as an example. Um, like my mum is still savagely left wing, and she yeah, I was going to say des- like you know my yeah yep <laughs> yeah she despises being lumped in with the baby boomer uh, uh, affectation. She like she she's really angry about it. <laughs> so- and yeah, there's that you know there's that whole. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sort of, the, you know, the conventional wisdom, if you're not like a socialist when you're like 20, yeah. you don't have a heart. And if you're not a capitalist by the time you're 40, you don't have a brain or whatever right. it is. It's like, yeah. You know, my, my great uncle's 87 and he's still got like his portraits of Lenin and Stalin in his living room. <laughs> yeah. And he's gotten, you know, I don't think the ABC vote compass would actually know what to do with him. Right. If, if he knew how to use a computer. Yeah. <laughs> probably Anthony Green's head would probably explode. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, what went wrong? Uh, oh, I mean, what what happened to Goff with the dismissal, uh, which is yeah. probably too, too much to go into here, but, you know, um, that probably disaffected that generation even further yeah and then basically the you know reaganomics neoliberalism thatcher here it was sort of like you know the liberal party was still in power in the early 80s yeah but you know hawk and keating you know and we know a little bit more about them behind the scenes now as well but you know they still sort of put the neoliberal project in place you know yeah to a large extent so you know i think and then, you know, being born into it too. Uh, I voted first in 96 and that was John Howard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My my first vote was uh, for Keating when he won yeah. the election. And I was like, Fuck yeah, how is great, great is voting? This is the best. Democracy works. Yeah. And then I was yeah. sad for another 10 years. Or well, you know, I was just, I, was, I can't remember the exact figures, but like since World War II, the Labour Party has been in power. Uh, no, sorry. The Labor Party has won from opposition three times. Yeah. In seventy years. Yeah. And in the last thirty years, they've been in power for six years. Yeah. So. That's great. Uh, yeah, that, that you know, and you know, at some point, if they'd maybe kept winning elections, maybe they would have kept. You know, we wouldn't have been hauled this far to the right. Yeah. But now the strategy seems like it is to be as Gently, gently. target as possible. Yeah. yeah, and just sort of stick to them on everything they can, and hope that like they just you know the the, the personality stuff reigns. Yeah, and hopefully drags people along with it. It's yeah, it's, it's nuts. Well, I guess it's uh, the you know because you're fighting so many battles, you're fighting the uh, conservative uh, press, and yeah, you're exactly, fighting yeah. the opposition, and the you know the opposition is moving further and further. Uh, to a place that feels very uncomfortable. Yes, yes. Uh, Like we're seeing in the States there, you know, it looks like they're about to overturn Roe versus Wade. And I know mm -hmm. that's in the States, but you have to watch that stuff because it uh, empowers other governments around the world to go, well, Well, you know what, we can do that now too. You know, Australia's always felt like, well, that's probably times, uh, the the period of time's probably compressed since we've had like, you know, the internet and everything, but like, Australia's always felt 15 to 20 years behind in terms of like where those some of those social changes happened. Yeah. And sometimes very much ahead of it too. But like, yeah, I mean, considering the 
makeup of the Australian Liberal, you know, the Liberal National Party in terms of like which schools they went to and what their religious affiliations are. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that you can see them. It'd be dangerous, I think, still, because it's like we love our healthcare and we love, you know, all these rights we've got. But if they keep eroding it and just, you know, if there's no other voices talking about how lucky we are to have that stuff, eventually people will forget. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's a problem. People forget the... The, the freedom that they have, and they take it for granted. Personally, I think if you're going to ban abortion and tell a woman that she doesn't have the right to uh, be in charge of her own body, um, look, y- you have to go the full hog, and I think you have to ban wanking as well. I think you yep. uh, a man's not allowed to jizz unless it's uh, going into a woman to give her a baby, and if you catch a man having a wank, and unless that's yep. going into a cup that can be used for pregnancy, then you know that guy should go to jail. We need some, yeah, some sort of genetic tag or something that we can yep. like, make sure all that stuff. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. Like from from the age of uh, fifteen, I reckon you should be allowed to have cops turn up randomly at your house and uh, have your bed sheets checked. And if you've had a wet Bobby dream, you, yep. yeah, yeah, you get a, you get a fine Open for up your first wet dream. <laughs> yeah, put that sock down. Yeah, turned out Mon- Monty Python was right. Every sperm <laughs> is sacred. Man. Uh, Put down that copy of Razzle. Yeah, what are you doing with that, mate? No, no, I read it for the articles. No, you don't, mate. No, no you no, don't. No. Step step away from the Vaseline, mate. I'm gonna I'm don't gonna use check Vaseline in the first place. For fuck's yeah. sake, we're, we're, we're t- t- don't use Vaseline, you crazy asshole. And uh, secondly, um, we have four gym socks here that we're going to use as prosecution, and we're going to put you away for three years for each gym sock that we find. Oh. It's to me. Yep. We make jokes because it's better than crying. It's, yeah, it's so, yeah, just heartbreaking. And, you know, it's obviously a not that we'll get, you know, we're talking about Australian politics, but, you know, like it's always targeted at people who don't have the means to just go and do it somewhere else. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's uh, it, isn't it? Like, you know, yeah. the, the amount of fucking conservative motherfuckers who have voted against this kind of thing, who are sending their mistresses off to have exactly. abortions yeah, yeah. is... Daughters, mistresses, whatever, oh. they can ship them off elsewhere and it's totally fine. But, yeah, uh, yeah. if you're a disadvantaged person, um, yeah. you're, you know, you're basically condemned and the child might, might grow up in circumstances that, yeah, it's just, yeah, as I said, heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the characters uh, in this movie are fascinating because they really look down on anyone who flaunts their wealth. Do you remember that? That's such a mm. really old school Aussie thing that I'd completely forgotten existed. And it's like, why buy a $60,000 home when a $40,000 home will be more than enough? Funny numbers to think about mm. uh, today. <laughs> uh, even the dentist, Evan, might be uptight but declares he's a socialist <laughs> dentist. Uh, people just don't talk like this anymore. Like, it's, like is it, does that anyone give a shit if you flaunt your wealth? Well, yeah, I mean, we wasn't it good when there was a tall poppy syndrome? <laughs> right. Everyone just kept pull their fucking heads in. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, again, I guess, you, again, it's like, you know, the aspirational Australian that we were raised to or, you know, we began to see introduced that probably then morphed into Howard's Battlers who were the cashed-up yep. tradies. So, so get your boat in your yard, get your McMansion. Yeah. Uh, get You know, and it's not a judgment at all. Uh, no. It's just a you know we suddenly sort of pivoted to becoming like you know <clears throat> your you know Brighton's and basically attempting to be Beverly Hills and yeah everyone needs to know exactly how well off we are or you know or we have to promote it 
well, status. Yeah, the status it's, symbol it's, thing. Yeah, well, it's fascinating. Like, even if you think about uh, pop culture, who who are some of the most favourite characters uh, running around in uh, in movies? Those billionaires, we love them. Oh, mate, a billionaire in an iron suit, a billionaire who dresses up as a bat and beats up people in low socioeconomic situations. They can help us out. We've got to aspire to be like that. Although they, you know, inherited wealth from extremely dubious. Right, you know. but they're the heroes. Yeah, they're, they're great. Elon's definitely the hero. He's Mate, like, yeah, I was just talking to uh, Will Anderson the other day when we were like, you know, Richard Branson is Tony Stark. Uh, <laughs> you know, Elon Musk is Bruce Wayne and uh, Jeff Bezos is Lex Luthor. And that's what it looks like in the real world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and then you've got Bill Gates who sort of actually did make it, you know, he did actually make, actually make his own money, but then yeah. I can hang out with Jeffrey Epstein anyway. So, you know, oh, your moral compass gets blown up as soon as you hit your first billion, probably. And then once yeah. you're up to about your 170th, like, yeah. you're off, off on a different planet in terms of where your priorities or empathy is. Yeah. I, I love that uh, Elon Musk bought Twitter and, you know, wants to make it a, a better place and blah, blah, blah. You, you know what he could have done is he could have just given every American $3 million each and uh, saved a lot of his money. And, well, and that was, uh, yeah. the proviso is that you can't be an arsehole on Twitter and that would have been... <laughs> well, he, it, I think, you know, he did ask, you know, the World Health Organization to give him a, a study on, you know, how he could cure poverty, basically. Mm. $6 billion. Yeah. You know, uh, clearly everything he does is just a publicity stunt to feed yeah. the whatever's going to happen next. But, yeah, like, I could feed them or I could buy the platform where people are mean to me and, you know, get my – assuage my <clears throat> sense of persecution, although yeah. I'm the wealthiest person in history. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who uh, likes to post shitty memes and smoke weed and – Be, be man the timeline. Yeah. yeah. Uh, something else in this uh, movie that was once again something that I had really not thought about in a very long time is the wife swapping aspect. It's really hard to grasp, but it was it was uh, according to some research I did. This uh, phenomenon was first seen in the Australian middle classes of the sixties as an opportunity to be free to new experiences. Uh, but I read a thing with David Williamson, the author of the play and uh, the author of the movie. It soon wore off once women realised that this was just as oppressive as what had preceded it. Uh, don't you think it looks Marriage. like a... Oh, yeah. Don't you think it looks like a very sad culture and thing to be a part of? Part of yeah, me. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, again, it's like, um, you know, these people clearly missed out on having a whole bunch of fun and then uh, yeah. that to sort of devolve into this really sad, desperate sleezing onto every, every you know, person in a skirt that goes past... Uh, yeah. enters their orbit uh, yeah. and yeah. just you know, sort of at once feigning impenetrable self-confidence and yeah. demonstrating just what a loser you are at the yeah. same time. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's uh, But it really does get back to what you were saying before about, you know, being married for <laughs> like 12 years by the time you're 30 and yeah, suddenly I mean, these and s- seem like great ideas. Yeah, I think of family members who definitely got married, you know, in previous generations who definitely got married at that age and then wouldn't have remarried after their partners died or whatever. And it's like, you know, yeah. uh, you know, again, different economic and societal values at play. But, you know, <clears throat> I think, you know, that's one thing we can be grateful for at least is all that sort of uh, life milestone stuff 
ironically got pushed back by the fact no one could afford to do it until they were right. in their late thirties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is that is but the I can't uh, do that. yeah. <laughs> I can't buy a fucking house and have a kid and a car. And... <laughs> I'll just get wasted instead. Yeah, no, that'll be <laughs> he's better. Perfect. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, according to some uh, historians and Williamson, uh, the movie is much more brutal in tone than the play, which is interesting. Uh, Susan Binney, who played the university student Susan, said she still shudders when she recalls the filming of the pool scene where the men take her clothes off and throw her into the pool. Binney didn't know this was going to happen, and Williamson shared his disquiet over the scene. Is that one of the most aggressive slash technically harmless but awful scenes you've watched in a movie in a while? It's a bizarre one, isn't it? Yeah. Because uh, then we get to see, I think it's Graham Kennedy's nutsack, like, oh, from right. under, underwater as well. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. At least it's equal opportunity. Absolutely, yeah. I didn't, uh, need, to yeah, see, the, I didn't need to see any of it. <laughs> but, the yeah, the consent, yeah, that, you know, yeah, the consent, the... All, yeah, all the aspects of it, yeah, definitely sort of flesh crawling as you sort of what, but, but yeah, as you say, it's, it's really innocent too, although it's in front of all the wives. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just a choice, a choice, yeah. I, I'm not sure what Bruce Beresford and was, go, was go angling at there. Well, yeah, so this is part of uh, what I find uh, interesting because it is a satire and, like, was it, was Beres like, he's a great director, so hmm. was he actually being... A little bit ahead of the curve, and that is actually part of the satire, is showing yeah. how awful these people are. But then, you know, like, is it is it easy to kind of be a little bit uh, dismissive of that scene and critical, and kind of miss the point that it was being satirical and mm. helping to point out how awful these guys are? Or am I giving it too much credit? Like, I, I. I don't really know the answer to that. I kind of, while I was watching it, I didn't like it, but I also felt like it was part of the the sharpness of the satire. Yeah, I I guess you know, it genuinely too, like the exclusively female nudity up to that point uh, is a yeah. lot more gratuitous than you would have got. You'd get, especially considering you know, um, was it Curly? His part, his girlfriend in, again, inverted commas. She's you know nineteen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's, you know, he's a guy and he's, you know, sleazy lawyer in his thirties who's, yeah. you know, using her for sex, and then, you know, everyone's allegedly cool with it. But yeah, just some, you know, those aspects. All the um, some of the artist, I can't remember her name. Um, oh, uh, keep talking. Jody. It up. Oh no, yeah, yeah. Was it Jody? Yeah. No. Anyway, yeah, but you know, again, like it's that sort of like yeah, the definite male gaze that gets sort of switched around in that scene a bit, I guess, although we're still sort of marvelling at, like, all those 70s dudes bods. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they are definitely uh, dude bods right there. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of even, you know, the muff and dong situation was evened out a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give it that, at least. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, I guess if, if I read that she was across it, then mm, I could absolutely. safely say... 
that it was 100% satire. Even if it is satirical, it's it's hard to feel comfortable with the way they went mm. about doing it. But, you know, once again, not to make any excuses for anyone, but, you know, you hear the awful stories. I don't know if you've ever... I've never actually seen the movie, but you hear the awful stories of the way Dustin Hoffman treated Meryl Streep on the set of Kramer versus Kramer and the stuff that they would just let these people get away with or you know marlon brando and yeah, last, God, tango, yeah, in last paris tango in paris, paris. Like, yeah. jesus christ you know yeah just um, the, yeah, the abusive behavior that sort of like for the art yeah <laughs> or yeah. The, you know the overall, overall intent which is like you know using someone <laughs> yeah using someone in a horrific moment yeah there's definitely progress in that regard uh which um you know and Jared I, Lido, we're talking to you uh <laughs> well <laughs> dr michael morbius asshole <laughs> oh, what did he? What did he? Did he do anything for Morbius? Or I just know uh, about he actually sending... pretend. Well, it was a, you know, it was more just a blanket. Uh, extremely uh, on the nose, he would turn up and insist on behaving like he had a. He was on set in character and would insist that he was uh, uh, disabled throughout the entire thing, the entire filming. So they'd oh, yell wow. cut, and it'd take like forty-five minutes to go to the bathroom. Because he was <laughs> sorry, I just <laughs> man didn't uh, <laughs> like, like <laughs> you know like I love Daniel Day Lewis and I know that uh, you know between takes when he was making My Left Foot uh, you yeah. know which which some people would look upon as uh, being extremely uh, you know wrong now but you know that's at least that's a movie that's trying to portray someone with a level of dignity and, uh, mm. you know, he's trying to understand that character. Uh, and the, the overall... Michael Warbius, the vampire. Mate, fucking the human the, vampire. Mate, it's a fucking Sony movie. Calm take down, it seriously. Mate. Take it seriously. Just walk <laughs> over and take a shit and come back, you crazy arsehole. And um, then he sends a shit to a crew member probably, but, you know. Uh, oh, my Lord. In character. Yeah. Um one maybe my favorite line of the movie is when Jody, one of the only liberal voters at the party, exclaims, "I don't think there's anything wrong with discussion, but you shouldn't argue with people you disagree with," <laughs> which is on the surface a very funny line. But the more I thought about it, especially in the current climate, I felt like I agreed with her. <laughs> like it's, it feels like, like I feel I would feel more comfortable arguing with you about something because we come from a very similar vantage point and we both want a similar outcome, but we just might disagree on how you would get there and then arguing with someone who has the complete opposite viewpoint feels like well i guess the contemporary version of that is just log off uh, oh yeah yeah just just log off don't, you know yeah. you, you know that's why you don't talk about politics on twitter because it's just like a sort of you know it's just a whirlpool of you know you're never going to get anywhere except no. you know indulge your own self-flagellation <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's uh, like people getting angry about stuff on, like, you know, not even important things, but getting angry about stuff on social media. It's, it, I feel like it's, it would be like me stopping a bus to get on and say, I hate you because you've got fucking Shane Jacobson on the side of the bus. Fuck you. And then getting off the bus and the bus driver's like, what? Well, I've got that <laughs> off my chest anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's, uh, that's made a difference to the world. Yeah. Uh, look, it, 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 
discussion, uh, social media, like I won't get into involved in anything on social media and, and rarely anyone arcs up in, uh, in my direction about anything, but I just, I just barely read what they're saying and I just delete and block, you know, and I just kind of move forward. I don't mind someone pointing out something and saying, Hey, I thought about this or I thought about that, but you know, invariably, the people who are really measured online are the people who are <laughs> invariably Patreon supporters. So they're already on board with exactly, discussion, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> they're great. Uh, yeah, dude. you know, like, you know, you, you do see the, yeah, there's very active contingents on all, across all of those things. They're act, you know, they're looking for, they're spoiling for it. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's, I guess, as Don and the rest of the lads uh, get, in, you know, increasingly more pissed and despondent as the yeah. election call comes in, that's all they've got left. And that may be what, you know, people nominally left of centre are doing at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> preparing yeah. themselves for another disappointment. I don't know. Yeah, I know I am. But uh, <laughs> the uh, the two main culprits are Don and Mal, who are men who have, me- who have eased into this like what they consider middle age, but is still young men when you look back at it. Um, and they're kind of ignoring the fact that they never followed their dreams. And it's they're fascinating, aren't they? Because it's like, in a weird way, even though they intellectually, uh, you know, follow the Labour Party and do want this reform, there's this, I don't know, it's, it's sort of like they're still chasing the, the romantic ideal that if the Labour Party gets in, their fortunes are about to change and they'll suddenly write that novel they were always meant to write, mm. etc. I guess, yeah, sort of like, I guess they're the sort of trenchant comment on, like, male exceptionalism in politics especially, where, you know, you're going to always, you will be, always get further ahead, yeah. uh, you know, whereas you've got Don's wife, Kath, who's sort of like the steady, you know, just the thankless role of actually being the pragmatist. Yeah. <clears throat> during yeah. the whole thing, yeah. and these two still get to, like, live it up and uh, not confront their failures. Yep, yep. The uh, Kath's my favourite character, uh, uh, like my favourite person in the movie. The, the, the women are split amongst the married couples who feel invisible and the younger, more adventurous women who don't feel tied to anyone. And, uh, you know, it, the, the married women eventually turn on each other and it's, it's Don's wife, Kath, who's furious with Jeannie for spending the money they lent. Uh, it's such an interesting scene because the women take on the burden of being grown-ups while the men just wallow in their drunken state. And, it, you know, because you brought up Kath, I feel like she's really the only grown-up in, yep. uh, in the movie. And sadly, I guess, like, you know, no, I'm not saying this is definitely not everyone in the modern, you know, in 2022, but, you know, still know plenty of guys yeah who would be you know basically completely helpless yeah if it wasn't for like their wife you know leading you know actually having to take charge yeah because there's that you know there's there's still that vestige of that sort of like you know the patriarchy persists yeah and just dudes that just are fucking hopeless and rebel in it yeah yeah (laughs) sadly yeah there's a, there's a level of catharsis for everyone involved once the night descends into one confrontation after another. Uh, you know, in summing up, do you, how do you think this movie holds up today? Uh, I'll tell you on May 22nd. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a Zoom party, I think, uh, so right. it'll be completely different. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I haven't been to an election party for a long time, but, like, the politics are, I mean, if, if anything, like, you know, this is sort of feels like what it was like in 2007. Yeah. After 11 years of uh, John Howard. Yeah. 
Yeah. And there's that, like, you know, 2019 was going to be the year and that fell apart. And there's a, you know, again, the sort of, I don't think people are as pumped for this. No. <laughs> because, you know, as we've discussed, the, the uh, uh, distance between the two parties is disappearing and uh, there's not much there for people who are genu- genuinely struggling. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but it's still, the issues are all very still pertinent. Thankfully, yeah. a lot of them have gone away to some extent. Um, yeah. But I, you know, that, that <laughs> I'll, I'll divulge that that Kevin Rudd party in 2007 was probably on par with Don's party. Right. Uh, less, less fisticuffs, but definitely yep. on par for nudity and drug taking, not drinking. Right. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, still had it. Still had it. <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, yeah. I, I remember our, uh, our party was uh, not, not, there wasn't any nudity, but there was definitely a lot of... Uh, this is drag queen nudity too, so I've got extra points. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a little <laughs> bit more fabulous. Uh, look, I, I think the movie still holds up today. Uh, I think it can be kind of confronting for anyone who hasn't watched it before or hasn't watched it in a long time because the women characters are treated badly, but to me that is part of the satirical point that is going on throughout this movie and it's easy to miss that just because the men get a lot of the action and the jokes it's all the women who are the truth sayers in some way so here we are with like Brittany higgins and like grace tame and like talking about these you know these entrenched issues in like the the culture of the australian parliament as well you know that have been continually attempted to be swept under the carpet but yeah just you know there's more and more force behind this stuff now yeah, yeah, definitely, and uh, you know, um, you know, this fini- film finishes with Don's wife telling him to come to bed as he staggers about his home, lost in his own thoughts. Uh, I thought that was a great ending. Um, look, uh, great choice. I'm actually wrapped that you brought this up and uh, suggested this, so uh, I have not watched it in a long time because the Zoom timer is. The- it certainly Coming is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, wasn't that a fun thing to discover is now happening uh, with these uh, connections? Oh, we've got a time. By the way, guys, uh, you've got five minutes and 57 seconds left. Uh, yeah. Use it as you will. <laughs> so uh, I, before I let you go, your book Cheaper Skips has been getting not only great reviews, but you are selling a boatload of them and uh, you must be wrapped with that. Yeah, really happy with the response. Um, yeah, it's been out for about a month now, I guess. And yeah. you know, some really interesting and fun people are reviewing it over on Goodreads because I have decided that the Lex Luthor's website is not for me. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, full-heartedly full uh, just selling it independently and seeing how that works, which is going well. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, happy to see the response and it's definitely uh, opening up a few doors for the next project, which I think I will save to talk about in the episode to come, maybe. Yeah, great, great. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's all it's all really uh, positive and I'm uh, really grateful for all the response that's been so far, yeah. And if yeah. you just want to check, if you wanna check anything out, just hit up my uh, – I'm at the Pass, Pass the Ammo on Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. And you can find the links from there for the book. Yeah, great. Oh, I'm glad yeah. it's going really well. And the, uh, yeah, it's been some a lot of, of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. some of those quotes that you're getting from uh, from people are really impressive. It's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty hilarious. And uh, I'm also doing, uh, just to get back into the groove of writing for the next thing, I'm doing like weekly reads of a work in progress too on Instagram that drop on yeah. Tuesdays. Uh, yeah. And it's, yeah, they're a bit raunchier. <laughs> Yeah, great. A bit naughtier, but they're good yep. fun. Um, so that's sort of just getting me in the habit of doing that sort of stuff and being a bit more face on camera too. So that's yeah. pretty hilarious. Yeah. 
And for everyone listening, this is the first uh, uh, podcast that we've recorded with you and New Zealand. And uh, a big shout out to New Zealand internet because this has been the and best China. that we've had. And, and yeah. uh, uh, Huawei, I think, is the internet provider and they've done yeah. a great job. <laughs> they've done a great job. This is the clearest it's been and you are much further away. So <laughs> Very <fantastic>. impressive. <laughs> so that's a, shout, that's a shout out to Malcolm Turnbull and Tony Abbott as well. And a, yeah. Yeah, a big high five to Rupert Murdoch for uh, deciding he wanted to get his Foxtel subscriptions up in 2013. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't everything great? Uh, Garth, thank I you would, so much. Thanks. And uh, I look forward to uh, whatever's next on Passing Amel. Cool. Bye. Thanks to Garth for joining me today and make sure you head to our Facebook page to check out his new book, Cheaper Skips. I've left, uh, that's at the um, Big Squid Facebook page. Uh, I've left a link there so you can uh, click on that. I'll be back next week with Ben Elwood as we get back to space policy. We haven't had a space policy for a while and it's a two-parter. We cover the original planet of the apes. In the meantime, if you'd like to support this podcast, head over to patreon.com forward slash Hamilton underscore Big Squid or leave us a top review at Apple Podcasts. And also, if you'd like to check out uh, my blog, Dispatches from the Fury Road, head over to bigsquidpod.com. That is bigsquidpod.com and you can find all the recent ones there. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and uh, oh, and thank you for all the kind words about the Doctor Strange podcast. You, there's a lot of you imploring us to keep going, <laughs> keep going with the Marvel movies. So uh, uh, that was a lot of fun to record and uh, we're, we're wrapped that you enjoyed it so much. So uh, thank you for all the, the messages. And, you know, if you enjoyed the movie, that's great as well. Like there's nothing wrong with that. It's good that you enjoyed it. We just didn't. Hence the fury. <laughs> it's been kind of two uh, angry podcasts in a row. Maybe that's the new norm over here. Anyway, uh, thank you once again. Until then. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 